and welcome to NeuroCurious, a podcast about all things brain, body, mind, and culture, not necessarily in that order. I'm Deborah Budding, joined, joined by my faithful co-hosts, Jamie Jones and Peggy Schaefer. Good morning. Hello. And today's episode is looking at educational therapy, which is not the same thing as tutoring, and which can be really helpful for students with learning differences and disabilities. Uh, so we're delighted to have a real life joining us namely no dead educational yeah, therapist here no no that's our that's one of wow. our zombie episodes yeah um elizabeth maynard so also we're going to try not to rage about brexit oh and we're no. we're sending love to our uk friends Definitely. so um so welcome elizabeth thank you thank you for having me so um tell us a little bit about yourself All right. Well, I um, have been a special educator for almost 20 years. I have a degree in special ed, several credentials, a master's degree, and I'm just recently completing my PhD. So I have been working with kids with learning challenges for almost 20 years and um, have a private practice in educational therapy here in Torrance. Woohoo! Yay! We're excited about that. Thank you. Um, So... Why don't we kind of begin by talking about what is educational therapy? Yeah, great question. So let's talk about what it's not first. Um, a lot of people confuse educational therapy with tutoring, and tutoring is basically reteaching of academic content. And a tutor, if you think about tutoring, um, parents will often hire a tutor because kids are having some challenges in school, primarily with either grades or mastering content. So, for example. Johnny's not getting his multiplication facts down. Mom hires a math tutor. Tutor comes a couple days a week, and they focus primarily on reteaching and redoing work from school. Um, This could be someone that's a high school student, next-door neighbor, babysitter, college student, etc. Teacher. Teacher. Um, An educational therapist is someone that is addressing addressing three main buckets. So there's the academic bucket, the social-emotional needs of this child, as well as the psycho-educational needs. It is ongoing, best practices, that is two to three days a week. It's very intensive, individual instruction, and it has a real holistic approach. So it's very therapeutic in nature. Parents are involved, school is involved, and any support personnel. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Don't don't stand up to the mic. Okay. Because you're spiking it. Oh, sorry. Um, so anyway, so that is kind of a brief overview. So one of the things that it seems like is sort of a, a difference is it's like the difference between academic content and academic process. Correct. And trying to help, like, for example, when I am making um, referrals for educational therapy, one of the things that's an ongoing issue for the kid are things like organizational skills and managing novel information so mm-hmm. that when something new comes to them, they don't know how to approach it. Right. So there's a a big focus um, in in practice for educational therapists that um, we're really, we're looking at how the child learns, how they process information, how they synthesize information, how that relates to their school world. And there's a big piece of it that's very empowering for kids. So we are working with the kids, spending time um, creating some self-awareness and some empowerment and helping kids also, you know, kind of demystifying the process of how we learn, 
Um, and then also I spend a lot of time working with parents so that we understand, um, you know, what, what's acceptable. There's a focus on what's normal and right. everyone's got a different learning style and a, and a different, um, strength and, you know, different modality that they might be, you know, would be their sweet spot, so to speak. And so we spend a lot of time working with kids to have that, that self-understanding, that awareness, mm-hmm. and that in turn creates a lot of success for kids. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that sounds like a lot to cover and a lot to, I don't know, manage or to understand. So where where do you, in your schooling or in the training, gain that insight to apply that? Great question. So the schooling that you have to have um, to be considered an educational therapist, for example, versus a tutor, is you need a bachelor's degree within special education, a master's, and some postdoctorate work, as well as so many hours a week. So if you've worked, for example, I've worked as a learning coach for many years within the public and private school systems. So probably within the first couple of years, I had my practicum hours mm-hmm. done. And then, of course, with my PhD, you've got to do your hours with that. But the coursework focuses on the psychology you know, aspects of learning, the actual methodology and practicum of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks at the three big bucket areas of reading writing and math, how kids learn, and um, a lot of, you know, case study work. You also have to be able to, to perform formal assessments as well as interpret them, and um, a lot of practicum experience, you know, with, your, with case management, mm-hmm. if you will. So mm-hmm. there's an aspect of that. So, again, if you lined all those things up and made a list of all these, say, 20 things you need to be in a therapist versus a tutor, you're going right. to see there's a, there's a big yeah, difference. Yeah, there's you a know. big difference. Um, in terms of like accreditation, is there a board? Is there, there is a board? License? Yeah, there's a board, okay. um, the American Educational Therapy Board. Okay, AET. 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 Um, AET is they put on a great conference, by the way. They do. They do. Yeah. And well, so you yeah. can you uh, if you have all your schooling in place and your clinical hours, you can register with them. They have they have several different tiers. So mm-hmm. some people register and become board certified. Um, other people, if you have your PhD, then you're not probably going to board certify and take their prescribed courses because you already have your, you know, right. your PhD work, right. so you can do either. Um, but there's a minimum, you know, licensing process okay. that you've got to have in place. And of course, um, anytime you're affiliated with a great, strong organization, you're going to be able to work and collaborate with other professionals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is, it is a really mm-hmm. nice, solid um, board that recommends a lot of great best practices that we all take into our practice. So, yeah. Okay. So how would a parent sort of find a good educational therapist? Like, you're phenomenal. Um, but, I, like, how would someone who's not in the know, like, what questions would I ask if I knew nothing? Right. So generally, um, most of my referrals come from psychologists. So psychologists that have done some type of assessment for a student, and that's one of the recommendations, and there's some gaps and deficits and challenges, Um maybe a formal diagnosis that requires it or some anxiety. Um, and so I will get a referral. Many a therapists get a referral that way. Another thing we do is we work in you know very close alliance with school districts. So mm-hmm. a lot of school districts are familiar with educational therapy. They will also refer out. And then other support personnel. So I really enjoy, for example, being with you gals today and collaborating with a music therapist and different people so that we all have knowledge of what we do because we're all kind of in these specific lanes, but they all intersect at some point, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and another thing I forgot to say, just as part of the ed therapy practice, you know, there's a big part of, of um, my practice where I do a lot of social coaching because right. that social emotional lane is so critical for kids in the learning environment. And often, 
um, parents come and they'll say, well, I don't know why I would need you. I've got a math tutor. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, valid question. But what happens is, is if you're a if you're a kid and you haven't developed a lot of these coping skills and you haven't learned to navigate the social currencies within the school, you know, arena, you're learning is very jammed up at times because that piece is so huge, you know, it is so significant for kids. And I think sometimes as um, parents and or educators, sometimes we want to really focus on academic Mm -hmm. delivery and outcome. And we forget that that social and emotional and that self-awareness piece, um, the feeling, you know, of of feeling safe at school is primary. And as you know, from being psychologists, of course, that foundation, if that is not in place, um, nearly impossible to reach those, those outcomes that we need. So a lot of times I spend the first, you know, of many sessions working on social stories, social currency, social skills, parent coaching, Mm -hmm. starting with those two pieces and getting that foundation set up. And then I'll start addressing the actual academic threads and strands. Um, And it's much more you know, successful that way than the other way around. Right. Even though the natural um, tendency would be to think, well, let's, you know, child has a reading disability. We need to start reading immediately. Right. No, we need to build from within. Yeah. It's right. a real holistic approach. The foundation. Yeah. 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 Well, and social anxiety can really Huge. hijack your attentional system. Absolutely. So you, cannot, you cannot attend if your body is in fight or flight response because you don't know who you'll talk to at recess. Right. You are not going to learn one thing in your English class. So there's no point in coming to me and paying my fee to read books. Right. What we need to do is work on all that other stuff. And yeah. so, and that's what's really, really empowering for kids is to take that social currency and to learn how to work the world around them mm-hmm. and how to feel safe. And, um, and then you can attend. Right. You're open to attend. Yeah. Yeah. That's a piece that gets left out yeah. a lot. It's huge. So I, I guess part of my question is, I'm trying to come up with a nice way of saying this. I can't, so I'm just going to say it. So part of why I refer to you is I know you do that. I know you're very holistic. I tend to refer kids who have social problems. Is that standard practice for educational therapists? Um, no, be- I, I would say not. I would say um, that it is part of our training but again, I think what happens is we live in a world, and we were talking about this earlier off air, we live in a world that is very product-based, right? right? Input, output, product. And so what happens is when a school district or a parent is looking for support and they say, gee, um, my kid has a recent diagnosis, they have ADA, you know, ADD or ADHD or a reading diagnosis or you know, a processing issue, and they're not doing well in school, we need to fix that. We need right. to get them working well in school. And so often there's a real push um, to produce and production is the end result. It's grades. It's the commentary from the school. And so I think sometimes we tend just as it's a blame game on the ed therapy piece. I think it's just in society. We tend to really focus on that. Um, again, that's one of probably the challenges is as an ed therapist, you've got to have that best practice. And I think that integrity and that commitment to you're in this for the long haul. Right. And there's a big subjective piece, which is growing the confidence of this young child, this young person. And it's kind of like I liken it to a plant that needs to grow with water. Um, the end result isn't going to be quick or easy or pretty or perfect in a little box. And so I think that um, you've got to have that, I guess, confidence and the commitment for the long haul. You know, it is a, a marathon, not a race. Right. And you've got to convey that to the parents and let them know that um, that social skill and that social emotional piece it's very, very important. And so you've got to have that that piece in place. So you look at it like three buckets. Mm-hmm. They all have to be filled up at, at the same time, sort of. 
So what is the answer to the question we all hate, which is how long, right? How, <laughs> how long is this going to take? How long is this going to take? What, you think I, three well, sessions? Right. Five Ten sessions? <laughs> well, the rest we're of my laughing, life. but as Bill brought up, it is a reasonable question for families to ask. It's just that we get... Um, hmm. Such a tough, tough question. We um, get a little... Because it's a it's a content Tired. it's a content yeah. and product right. oriented question yes. as opposed to a process right. question right. and with a lot of learning issues most most kids with learning challenges a lot of it is is more on academic process than mm-hmm. content I mean mm-hmm. and, and the the content deficits are sort of an outcome of there being process issues mm-hmm. right. and Absolutely. so. Um, trying to convey that in especially in the current educational system that is so largely mm-hmm. kind of product oriented right. and assembly line based and immediate satisfaction yeah you know I yeah. want it now I I think you know we were talking earlier offline I mean I've developed through the years some creative answers mm-hmm. I mean sometimes if I'm not patient I might just say until yeah right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's gonna go until until yeah. I get where I feel I need to be with the student, you know, um, I think there's that whole, um, we're such a quantifying group of humans that, um, we, we want that information. I think there's certainly, um, as Jamie brought up earlier, there's certainly a, just maybe there's a factual component of the question where someone says, gosh, how long is this going to take? I only have, um, a certain, you know, um, I have limited resources financially, so I need to know mm-hmm. when the end is, and mm-hmm. that's extremely reasonable. But again, I think this is, it all goes back to the very first couple of sessions where I do the intake with the family. I am very clear about expectations and needs, and I advocate for the child. I, I really work for the child, even though the parents pay me. I am an advocate for the child. And so I'm really clear that if you aren't able to sustain this, this isn't your process, right? Right. right. Because there is, it's not going to be a quick fix. And most importantly, I don't want it to be. I want to be someone that the child establishes rapport. And while I am an intervention, I'm also a lifelong partner. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. And, um, and I want to, you know, I want to fuel that relationship in a really healthy way. And so it, I think it's even dangerous when a parent leaves and says, oh, good, Johnny. So we're only going to need six sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what does that say to Johnny? You know, right. and, and especially I think it's important to, and I'll share with the child, you know, I'm going to help you. We're going right. to set some goals and milestones. We're going to reach that. But I am here forever. I, you can check back in with me. You can ask mom to bring you back. And sometimes kids are really relieved. I have kids that sometimes after a few sessions, this starts feeling so good. It's so therapeutic mm-hmm. that they'll say, well, you know, I, I don't want to do too well because then they'll take you away. You know, because mm-hmm. if they get an A, parents think, oh, good, that's done. That's You're it. done. Right. You're fixed. Right. 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 And, um, and so there's a, there's a lot of, that's why there's such a big parent coaching piece you know, is continually just um, communicating. And obviously there's a fine line. I, you know, educational therapists, we're all in it for the the main reason. We want to help kids. We believe in kids and we believe all kids can be successful. And I think we all want a child to thrive within the learning environment. And Absolutely. it pains us. It pains us as parents and That's educators right. when we have a kiddo that isn't thriving. It, it yeah. hurts our heart. And so we want to work as quickly and as, you know, I, I'm very focused and my, my sessions are very rich. I try, I do no housekeeping in my session. I do everything email if I can so that I don't tie up any of that rich focus therapeutic time on what I call housekeeping issues. But also sometimes a session is very organic. Mm-hmm. Kid shows up, we might have a plan 
and I love it when a kid says, oh, you know, here's what happened today. And we just go right off course. We do a U-turn, which is that you know, brilliant piece of being a flexible teacher. And we say, all right, we were going to do A, but we're going to actually stay in B because mm-hmm. this is what we need to do today, you know. Um, so, again, I think it's, it's having really good open communication with parents and with schools because often schools have a, a, an expectation, too. Right. How long Absolutely. will this take? You right. know, when will we get to where we need to be? Right. Well, and I also view educational therapy as an intervention to help a child um, maintain a love of learning yes. um, and to not have a love of learning sort of beaten out of them right. by the experience of being in school. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, school, you know, it's funny. You can think of school. Um, if you look at the world around us and you look at some imagery, you know, school is um, red apples, yep. lunch boxes, primary colors, buses. For many of our kiddos, that is not what school is. School mm-hmm. is dark. Mm-hmm. It is frightening. Mm-hmm. It is nerve-wracking. It is a stomach ache all day. It is avoiding the bathroom. It is avoiding the lunch line. It is not thriving and eating even your full lunch because right. your stomach's in knots. It is Sunday night, I'm sick. Wednesday, I'm still sick, and you know they're not sick. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone that's had a glimpse of that feeling and emotion, which I have, I was one of those kids... I can close my eyes and feel it like that. It, oh, yeah. it can come right back to me. And um, and that's why I think as a professional, you should never remove yourself too far from that space and place and time because I think that's what makes you uh, be really successful with kids. And so sometimes I'll work with kids and the mom will say, well, I you know, I know he didn't have a stomach ache. And so I'll say to the kid, tell me, you know, tell me how that felt because yeah. by the yeah, time he did. yeah you <laughs> he did. really did you have a stomach ache yourself up into the <laughs> place where you absolutely had a stomach ache and i right. know exactly what that feels like right. i know exactly what that feels like so yeah. so I, I think you're right deb i think it's um it's helping kids find you know navigating kind of through that dark space that i think sometimes as um just the world around we forget you know right. especially when it's time to go buy you know back to school supplies i mean for some kids, that is the worst time of the year. Kids are excited. They're getting all their new school supplies, and they're all excited to come back after the summer. For some kids, that's the end of some happy time. time. That, that's right. Yeah. Happy the time. relief it's, it's the is beginning ending. of the dread. Yeah. The relief has ended for them. And what would be a fun, happy time, oh, seeing my friends. I mean, can you imagine, A, if you have no friends? Right. Um, and, B, if going to that place every day, six or seven hours a day, is the place where you feel the most unsafe and uncomfortable, you know, to the point of physically feeling yeah. uncomfortable. So not a good time for a lot of our young, young students. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, one of the things that, that I was thinking about is sort of, uh, we recently had an episode on executive functioning and um, thinking about different ways to conceptualize executive functioning. And I think a main reason that I will send a kid to do educational therapy is because they have some executive function challenges. Um, uh, I was thinking we could talk a little bit about sort of educational therapy as an executive function intervention. Mm -hmm. Okay. because I, I'm sure that most of the kids you see have some level of executive function right, challenge. Right, absolutely. That is definitely a thread that, um, you know, one of those buckets I speak of that that is um, prevalent. Um, and again, but I think a lot of that goes back to kind of that social-emotional place right, where... Right, the anxiety piece. The anxiety. And right. so, you know, the teacher says, okay, everyone, you know, put your homework in your yellow binder and, um, you know, and then tomorrow bring the yellow binder back and we're going to take 
the piece of paper that I gave you out of the yellow binder. Well, kid that's been in high anxiety for the last 40 to 50 minutes mm -hmm. has no idea what the yellow binder is, doesn't even remember the color of yellow, much less how to manage, where's the binder, wait, what am I doing with the binder? You know, so a lot of this is um, really sometimes it goes back to partnering with the school and with the teacher. And again, that's an advocacy piece is I'll reach back out to the teacher um, after I have a release of information yeah. um, and I will say to the teacher or the school you know what do we need to put in place in class so that Johnny can get the paper in the yellow binder let's make sure we've got some systems in place so there's really two two pieces it's working with um, communicating with the school to make sure that there's systems in place mm -hmm. and that the teacher's on board with whatever systems work for each child and depending on diagnosis of course there's many different systems that are going to possibly be put in place and then it's taking that thread so that then when the child comes back to session to talking about what was successful, what worked, what didn't work. Then there's the parent piece, of course, because we have a lot of parents that forget um, or could be frustrated or irritated with, I, I can't believe you forgot the yellow binder. We've told them a thousand times to get the yellow binder. The yellow binder has to go back to school. Where is the yellow binder? You know, again, if you haven't attended to, to a chunk of time in school or a day or even several days, that yellow binder is the most elusive thing in the world. You know, I mean, it's like air. You can't get your hands around it. And so, um, so again, it goes back to that, that first initial step, I think, of you've got to be able to attend. You can't organize your yellow binder if you don't even remember what the teacher just said. You know, right. So there's definitely a, a focus on executive functioning. Um, As from a bottom-up perspective. From a bottom-up. Right. Like a lot of self-awareness, yeah. you know, right. and um, mindfulness and mm -hmm. coaching is another component of helping kids just be aware of what do I need to do to manage my day. Um, little steps, little tricks of different organizational systems, laminated cards, things on their backpack. I use a lot of, um, you know, the Apex st sticker systems, color coding, um, you know, I have one kid that I bought on, on Amazon, a bunch of those really thin uh, rubber bright colored bracelets. And she wears six bracelets there for each class, right? Yellow, green, they're these primaries. And each, oh, that's a cool idea. Each class mm. coordinates with a binder. So she can and remember. And P.S., uh, those bracelets are cool. All right. the kids want them, right? <laughs> right, you know? right so anyway, right. you can go to Amazon and, uh, you know, it's a great deal. It's like, you know, $1.99 for 2,000 of these bracelets. I give them out to kids. <laughs> I love them. And, um, and no one knows what we're doing. So right, kids right. at school with these bracelets, right. it coordinates. And we, we do, I have one kid that wears bracelets on one arm. And then after everything's packed in the backpack, as each subject's packed, she switches the bracelet oh, to the other arm. Um, oh, again, that's such a great idea. Creating, a great creating idea. things that look and feel normal that say to the kiddo, you're okay just the way you right. are. You yeah. are okay just the way you are. But here's a couple systems. You right. know, and sometimes when they come to session, I'm wearing the bracelets too because I'm not the most, you know, so, so I'll say, look, I do it too. Right. It's great. You know, like today, this blue bracelet I'm wearing actually is reminding me of something later. So all, everyone needs some tricks sometimes and some ways to help them. So, um, so I well, like things I, like that. I love that because so many of the kiddos that I work with need the external assistance. Like they yeah. need that checklist they yep. need and they don't want to use it because they don't want to be different. Absolutely. I mean, they have enough right. social anxiety and enough, like, I don't fit in, and now there's another way I don't fit right. in. Right. And the other thing, too, is, you know, don't we always, and we haven't talked about it a lot, I'm sure we, we can, but the sensory issues. So oh, yeah. for a lot of kids, you know, we need to touch, to fumble, to right. rub. Um, and so, again, there's a there's there's another normalizing piece to that, where if right now, as I'm chatting, let's say I was nervous and I'm doing this, this isn't going to be offensive or yeah. draw any attention whatsoever, but it might be very self-soothing. Mm -hmm. So I love things that have a dual purpose like that. 
um, that again, uh, no one knows really externally what's happening. But again, if it if if the if it's a win win and it's going to organize and support executive functioning and also provide some right. sensory self soothing, then you know I'm all for it. So uh, I was thinking more about the relational piece too, um, especially in terms of navigating families, right? That yeah. because on the one hand <clears throat> you've got the the child, um, but then you've also got the parents <clears throat> and the whatever the relational thing is with the parents and um, finding ways to navigate that I imagine can you know have varying challenges with it right so um, if if the child has um, anxiety or processing speed issues and is forgetful and they've got parents who are very um, the same content driven well or the yeah. same but, or, you or know, but, but are very out be. but that are very outcome yeah. oriented yeah. you know trying to help them understand that part of the part of the issue is also the way they're right. interacting with their child around academics right. and Definitely. and that if they change their approach uh-huh. that that in and of itself would help change some the of the, the, mm-hmm. yeah. the academic quote unquote issues. Right, right. Well I think there's that's that parent coaching piece that mm-hmm. um that I think sometimes is parents will laugh you know, they are bringing their kid and the mom will say, Well I'm gonna go get my nails done and mm-hmm. drop the kid off mm-hmm. and I have to gently remind mom, you know, actually you'll be coming at some point too because right. this is a whole you know, it's it's really it's the, it's dropping the kid off being like, okay, fix them. Right. That's my child. I'll right. be back later. Right. <laughs> so yeah, you definitely um there's definitely a parent education piece of course. And, and I think some of that again I think it and I'm not trying to water this down because obviously there's, you know, I've got 20 years in this. So, I mean, there's a lot of documented data research driven stuff that drives our practices as educational therapists. But sometimes I do like to water it down to sometimes I'll tell a parent, I'll give them an you know, hour long spiel. I'll send them home with books and resources. I'll refer back out to, you know, different um, experts I work with. Sometimes I have to simply say, you need to celebrate your child as yeah. is. Right. Um, because I'm really a big fan of, you are where you are. Um, and, you know, there's some great work done by Carol Dweck um, with, you know, growth and fixed mindset. And so I do believe that there's total growth potential. And I think we all have the ability to morph and grow and stretch. But I think there's nothing more powerful than to tell, let your kid know, especially if they're in this process. If they're in this process of ed therapy, let's remember what got them here. They were referred because they weren't doing well in school. Someone's probably had many meetings at school, SSTs, 504s, IEPs, you know, there's been hours already where you were told, perhaps as a parent, hey, you know, Johnny's not cutting it. Right. Then maybe you've gone to a psychologist and done the full battery of tests, which is a whole nother process. Then you've gone and had your debriefing with the psychologist. And um, so by the time the kid gets to me, sometimes they've really already been on a pretty long road. They are fairly beat up sometimes, you know, not because of anything specific that's happened in a negative way. It's just, there's a fatigue element. Um, so sometimes one of the first things I have to say is, you know, you're okay just the way you are and really reaffirm that with parents, you know, um, because I think there is that, that thought of, Hey, fix this. Right. You know, we all are who we are, um, blemishes and all. And so again, I take it back to, I'm not fixing them. I want to just get them to a place where they can thrive within the world that is theirs for the next however many years, which is school. School is one part of their world, and there's lots of other parts to it, but I want to help them get to a place where they're feeling like they are thriving and happy and successful, you know? So the parent education piece for that in particular is really important. Again, I think that goes back to you really want parents that are on board 
and that are willing to participate as much as the as the child, you know. Yeah. And understand the concept. Sorry, I've got I'm getting over a cold, so <clears throat> having to clear my throat. Also, um, the concept of tolerating the discomforts. Yes. Yes. Right. So. The, uh, the process of understanding that this is not going to be comfortable mm-hmm. and we're going to tolerate this because I think that as parents of kids with special needs or differences, there's this desperation to get me out of this, yeah. you know, help me fix it. I don't want to be in this discomfort. I have a lot of ideas that I thought as a parent would turn out a certain way, right? Right. And it's not turning out that way. And fix this, please. Yeah. So there's that piece as well that that I think um, I think we all share that empathy of understanding that that's a big piece for the parents, and that the the job that we have as professionals, and it sounds like you share this, is to hold the family system through the discomfort Mm -hmm. of of the journey. Absolutely. And with the child too. I mean, a lot of the kids I see love to know things yes but learning is yes. people right mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. and and so the the distance between the thing over there that you want to mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. and not knowing it yet right. or not knowing it as well as you wish to know it right um is it's painful for the child but it's you know it's, it's painful for everybody right right um right. and and that pro- that process of of not knowing things which is so ironic given that that the educational system is about you have to you have to not know something right in right. order in exactly. order to learn it i know right that is learning you talk about crazy making right you know and we send kids i mean when you look at it you're it's like you're dropping these little people it's like dropping them to a war you know like now get yeah. in there and get that math material you yeah know right I mean? you don't know how to do it but, but we go expect do you it. to bring that home and do it you know <laughs> right. and so um and gosh, then you add to that the fact if you've got anything that's impeding that, I mean, it's just a miracle more kids don't, you know, self-implode. And it really, you know, it probably goes back to even asking this system, big system question, big macro question of right. how can we do it different and better, you right. know? And that's why I love working with schools um, that are progressive or thinking out of the box or celebrating all kids' learning styles or saying, hey, you know, um, when I talk to a teacher and they say, we do no worksheets, I am... I am in my happy place, you know? Yes. <laughs> Yay. Um, Yay. Or when I Band talk to a teacher worksheets. and I say, you know, instead of Johnny, I keep using the name Johnny, no offense to anyone named Johnny, but I'll call Susie. Instead of Susie doing 30 math problems, can Susie do 15? Mm-hmm. And they go, right. oh, well, I guess she could, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Happy yeah. place. Because um, all those things are those just, to me, and probably to all of us in this room, mm-hmm. it's the most natural, logical idea. Right. Why do you need to do 30 problems if you could do... 10 or 12 and still master content. Well, unless you're doing automaticity kinds of things and then you got to have a certain amount of repetition, but that's for the, that's for kind of the simple material and that's just kind of getting those motor programs going. But there's a place for that. There's a place for that, but not, but it's not all places. No, it's really not, you Mm -hmm. know, and it just, it seems like one of the problems we run into in education is that there's a tendency to take something that works well in a specific situation to then try to implement it where it's not appropriate, mm-hmm. right? So to try, you know, there are certain things that are important. It's sort of that when, like when it went back and forth between the whole word and phonics mm-hmm. approaches oh, yeah. to reading. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, tastes great, less filling. Right. That that there's a tendency to be like, well, you know, the research shows that this over here is, is useful. And then to take Do that and then that overgeneralize with right. it. Right. And to try to apply it in a place where it's not useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, so to me, the intersection of trying to have 
more of a, a neuroscience informed mm-hmm. approach to education, but that can go awry too. Absolutely, right? that people can jump the gun and misapply neuroscience and psychological research. Right. Well, if you don't include the foundation, the top, bottom, bottom up. Kind right. Of- well, that's why I mean we're so we're, obviously we're sensory motor driven people, and we're very focused on looking at like you know phylogenetics of you know phylogenetics is sort of like evolutionary Mm -hmm. how things develop over time and across species and being able to build on very simple skills and then add greater complexity um to to apply that it just makes sense that you you know why wouldn't you plan apply that to the academic learning environment but we still have kids you know, sit in their rows of chairs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's math time and only right. math. And only right. math. Well, it's funny. In, in my office, um, I don't have a desk. And so parents come in. They go, well, where will the child work? You, you know, you see my office. Yeah. And um, I said, well, they're going to work on the floor with me, you know. Right. <laughs> right. So right. I don't wear a lot of dresses during the week, you know. Um, and, I mean, there's parents that are absolutely just frightened by that. They are frightened by the fact that it's not the norm. Um, most kids, if you look at many kids, they are not seated upright in a you know certain position ergonomically correct position they're flopping on the floor right they have their most of my boys especially a lot of my boys they take their shoes off Mm -hmm. um they just want their socks Mm -hmm. i have you know pillows i let my kids lay on this couch and and do stuff you know they lay on their tummies and they type on the laptop you know and i think you know thank god no one's filming this because it it's not the norm but it's really how kids learn, and they, they need movement, right? There's that whole component of that sensory motor piece that, you know, is so important. Yeah, well, and if you have, I mean, this goes back to our thing. If, if you're having issues with certain areas of learning, you probably have areas of sensory motor development right. that need some support. Yeah. So what you're hitting on is core. So right. if you yeah. don't have right. trunk, you know, core integration into what you're doing, you're going to need some support. Physically, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, but that's also why I love working in multidisciplinary treatment teams mm-hmm. because one of the things that, that's really cool is when you've got an educational therapist and a neurological music therapist and an OT and, and mm-hmm. everybody's sort of doing their piece to support the kids' ability to, to be in their bodies and yeah. then to use their minds mm-hmm. and to be present for for mm-hmm. their learning and right. then and then being able to help them contextualize right. i mean one of the challenges for a lot of kids is rote information mm-hmm. like so you're expecting me to learn all these little facts yep. but why should i care yeah right. and, and oh, why absolutely. do i apply them what's right. next yeah absolutely yeah i mean one of the things i like about um sort of project-based approaches and montessori mm-hmm. education is that it's just that everything's contextualized that you can learn a lot of, you know, the same simple, quote-unquote, basic information, mm-hmm. but it's just presented in a way that's more adaptive and, right. and based in the world. Right. Well, it has to make sense, right? For kids, yeah. it has to make sense. So if you're working in a in a vacuum, for a lot of kids, they get really lost in that vacuum. Um, and then if they're not in a in a school environment where they're allowed to say, why are we doing this? Right. right. You know, I mean, <laughs> so, I know kids that, you know, back in my public ed days when I was in a special education day class room. This is back in the day. Um, Shows you you how old I am. Um, My first job right out of college, I had a classroom with K through eight in it. 
So I want you to think about the lesson planning of that. K through eight in one room. Good and special great. day class. Special, special day class. Day. So special pretty day. Impacted pretty impacted. Mm-hmm. Pretty impacted. Pretty, a lot of ED, LD, mm-hmm. um, on the spectrum. And I would spend, you know, I don't know, hours at night lesson planning because I had all different grades and diagnoses and I had a full support team in place. But one of the things that I had a lot of kids that came to me from public ed that were referred into my special day class. And I, I loved reading reports where it said, you know, won't stop asking why. Oh, what a horrible like, thing! Like that's a problem. Like so, that's a problem. So come up with a behavioral plan right. that's going to make him stop. So you right? know what? We're gonna we're gonna figure out what's wrong with this kid, and um, we'll shut that down. Yeah, shut gonna, that. Yeah. Shut that question down. And I mean, down. what person could go learn something and you know with without wanting to know what, why? Right. Why do I need to learn right. this? And how do I apply this? And what is the purpose of this? And sometimes the answer is because you just need to learn it. Right. Yeah. right. And yeah. it's really not the best answer, but that yeah. is the honest to God truth. Because right. you need to memorize when Christopher Columbus came here. That's right. all you need to do. That. And you Why? Right. There you go. <laughs> he sailed the ocean blue. Right? There you go. And other times steered so, into my memory. Right. Yeah. See, mm-hmm. see how that just worked. Mm-hmm. And other times the why is it's really brilliant and it's very rich and it's organic and it's authentic and it's all the things as educators we want it to be. But it's not always that way. Yeah. Right. So I think you also have to have, you've got to speak your truth as a teacher and help kids understand that. Because what a puzzling world it would be if you thought that everything you learned um, either didn't have a person a, a purpose or it did, and no one will give you the, the small nugget of truth right. as to the why. Right. I mean... You've got to be able to, I think, again, put that all, put all those pieces in place, you know? Well, and also the, <clears throat> one of the things I, I appreciate about educational therapy, too, is that this isn't just about um, absorbing content. It's about how, how do you think? How do you think critically mm-hmm. about things? Right. And, and if you're somebody that's sort of t- thrown back on your feet by novel information, it's very hard to be forward and proactive, right? Right. right. So... Um, learning to have to be more comfortable and to kind of to to think ahead a little bit is becomes so important right. especially in in thinking about citizenship absolutely you know like you know what do you do when a kid comes in and they're like right. i know we're you know we're supposed to be looking at you know remember anything these dates but what's populism right you know right right, <laughs> right. well and that and building that uh, which we always go back to building um the self-awareness for at for self advocacy, yeah. Right. That's so just to be able to say, you know, um, I'm a little overwhelmed right now. Uh, you know, I'm going to need a second to take this in. And having the teachers also, which is you know a big piece, understand that, right? And well, listen. And we right. haven't even touched right. on just you know processing times and mm-hmm. you know how for many of our kids, how many you know seconds and or right. minutes they need. That's and right. um, I love one of how the, much repetition, how uh-huh. much repetition, and. Um, I used to do some work with new teachers and coaching, and one of the things I loved was having a teacher say, you know, when I'd say to the teacher, here's the average processing time, and it's going to be for some kiddos 20 seconds, and other kids it's going to be 40 seconds, and um, here's what that feels like. And the teacher goes, well, wait, I, and I go, no, 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 no we're no, going to no. sit wait, silently. Stop. Wait, <laughs> Yeah. And that is, a, as for a new teacher sometimes, that is painful because well, it's sure, so still. Si- and well, it, silence yeah, is anxiety producing, exactly. right? So if you're the teacher, you have to be able to contain your own anxiety. Yes. Right? To well, and let and teachers process. are people too. Absolutely. Right, of course. They all come with their and, own Well, and a tapes. lot of them come, a lot of teachers are very, they start out very idealistic and they want to help students mm-hmm. and then they get in the district and they realize that they're 
you know, handcuffed to certain right. ways right. of having to do things right. and what they're allowed to talk about. And, and they're on a pacing guide. Let's face yep. it. If you're, if yeah. you're public ed, you are going to your weekly department chair meetings. You write a pacing guide. Everyone needs to be on standard 4.2. Oh, whoops, I'm still on 3.8. What? Right. Well, we're on 4.2 this week. So then when you go into your class the next day, you're going to, you know, chop, chop, let's wow. get going. Interesting. You know, so so some of it is the societal, again, goes mm-hmm. back to those norms, that societal pressure of um, if you as a, you know, teacher, um, you're someone paying your bills too, you've got to report to someone, mm-hmm. you know, there's right. no free lunch, and so you've got to report that you're at 3.8 when you need to be at 4.2, and it's because you've got kids that aren't able to mm-hmm. grasp content, right. and or maybe you need to move quickly through material, so then you've got... That whole issue of the differentiation piece, you've got kids that are lost, some kids in the middle, and then you've got some high kids, uh, and you're kind of all dragging these guys across the finish line together when no one's together, right? Right, They're all in different spaces, but as a teacher, you're only given so much time, you know? And every child has a different cultural and family background, and SES Uh issues, and there's nutrition Mm -hmm. issues. So many things. I mean, there's so many things that that impact it, and um, uh, I'm still thinking about the school. I just went and did a a observation in, and the the complete lack of, I mean, this was in a a contained special education Mm -hmm. classroom Mm -hmm. with a lot of uh, ID kids, and Um, they had nothing. They had no iPads. They mm-hmm. had nothing. Well, nothing. And I, I think even, um, you know, I work with a lot of kids that they come to me at the end of the school day. So they've been at school all day, just like I have. And one of the first things I say is, have you have you eaten yet today? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll, t- I'll tell the, you know, moms or dads or whoever's bringing the kiddo, you know, please make sure they're fed. Oh, no, they're fine. They're coming right from school. They've had lunch. You know what I mean? No, hours? they didn't. Right. They, either they, they right. didn't. And even if they did, that was three hours ago. And even if they did, it was like ago. three yeah. to four hours ago. Yeah. Kids have these metabolisms. And I mean, so my husband laughs because I'm also, now I'm packing up snacks to right. take to work because... I don't, I don't think you can learn if you're starving. It's, right. it's impossible, you know? So yeah. there is, there's even, right. it's just the, the basic. The man with the tooth, cannot fall in yeah. love. Nope. It's just basic hierarchy of needs, you know? So again, it yeah. goes all, you know, as we close, when we look at, it's it's all this platform, right? It's building blocks like anything else, else in life. And so you've got to start with, you've got to drill down some to some real basics, which is you, you need to sleep, you need to eat, you need to recharge, you need mindful time. Um, you know, I love the parent says, can I come five days a week? No. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's too yes. much. You know, right. or can I come once a month? No. Right. no. It's called Not in that middle, either. In right. the middle. Mm-hmm. You balance. Know, um, balance. Balance is good. Right. Balance is really important. Um, but starting with some of those basic needs and then, you know, continue that kind of, you know, um, layering approach, you know, and all those layers are of equal importance, mm-hmm. really, you know, one isn't more important than the other because it, it all has to, it all has to go together for the end result. You know? Yep. Yep. This is fun. I know. Fun. You have to come back. Oh, I'll come back. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. As long as you get the half and half for the coffee. Yeah. We yeah. will do yeah. that. I will make sure Then I'm back. That then I'm back. Right. That's yeah. an easy fix. That is an easy yeah. fix. Yeah. There are stores near here. There <laughs> okay, are. Good. We've, we've heard of those. So we, Elizabeth has to has to bolt in a, in a little bit, so we don't really have time to do our roundtable. What, what are we doing lately? So, um, you know, anybody? Yeah. if anybody's doing polka dancing? No, no, polka no, no polka? not done polka dancing. Rollerblading? Um, yeah, I did a little rollerblading. Excellent. Yeah. A little running. Excellent. Not I've just been much. playing Witcher. Yeah. Just been playing a lot of Witcher. It's yeah. been a big Witcher week at my house. Yeah. Witcher's very cathartic. Well, I just, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I love to play Geralt as just this fundamentally decent person in a terrible world having to make choices. 
you know, through Elizabeth, with, but trying you're to like be me. decent. You don't do these, do you? No. Yep. Mm-hmm. I could. I could smell it. I like you. You're my. You're my. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I say this side of the table yeah. is like a nice little pairing. Yeah, That's right. I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think we'll they be go back. into like the video game thing, and I yeah. Yep. No, I don't. I, don't I tried it. That. It didn't go well. <laughs> She I, did. Ernest, she did. It. Peggy gave it a uh, good old try. It did not go well. No. So I've given that up, and now I let them talk, and I just go, all right. Yeah, you just listen. That's right. I don't even listen, to be honest. No. You're just tuning them out. You're tuning them out. Okay. They go into peanut mom mode. Right. Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. Wah. She's like, don't know who Gerald is. Don't care. Don't nope. care, right. That's why don't I care. cut her off and said, it doesn't yeah. seem like you're yeah. on it either. Yeah. No. Nope. Love you lots, but you know. Yeah. But you know, but that's the lovely thing. We don't all have to like the same thing. That's, that's right. true. That's true. That's right. We can all One day you guys will come polka dancing and rollerblading. I, with I me. love polka dancing. Actually, I'm Polish, man. I want to see the rollerblading. That would be a sight. Yes. Look at their faces right now. I am so not going. I used to rollerblade. I used to rollerblade. There is much I did years ago. Back I, in at, the this, day. at this point in my life, I am not going rollerblading. Yeah. I would rollerblade again. I would much rather polka dance, though. All right. Well, we'll work on well, there it. There you go. Yeah, we'll work you've on got, it. You've set some goals for yourselves mm-hmm. today. <laughs> <laughs> you can take the therapy hat off. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big goal. Polka dan- I'll go polka dancing. Uh, so, are, Elizabeth, are you on social media or anything like that that people can... Are you, like, on the devil Facebook or no, anything like that? No. You know, I am really a dinosaur. My kids are true. I have three grown kids in there. No, they're horrified. They no, are horrified. I love you. Shut I'm not people. either. Really? None of it. Okay, you're this is lo- just... You're Luddites, and you're the reason we're going to have problems. This is getting yes. better and better. No, I am, I am, um, I am going to do it, though. I've, I've made a goal for myself um, that I'm going to try one piece of social media. I'm not sure which, but I am going to do that. But I do have a website, um, and I'm located awesome. locally here in Torrance, and I also can be reached at my email, which is emaynard at edtherapy.co. So Ooh, thank you for having you. me. Yeah. Thank you for coming. for coming. We think you're fab. Thank you. So Likewise. All right. So um, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.